0: Thank you so much for joining me today my name is John Penn welcome to how to the get there your one-stop podcast shop to discover how your favorite filmmakers got from A to B. And along the way, you'll hear secret tips to boost your clout, your market value, and of course, the size of your penis. For all you ladies out there, I am single, and I enjoy watching, talking about, and discussing film in all different types of settings. I also enjoy dogs and long walks on the beach. All my fellas out there, I enjoy working out, scoping girls, and scoping girls. But hey, who doesn't love scintillating conversation either? Let's go on a journey together. A film journey. Having a better conversation for this setting is about my trip to Los Angeles. So while I was scouring the streets of Laurel Canyon and Hollywood and Sunset and Vine and Venice, I noticed a few things. I I noticed a few things about Los Angeles as a city and I also noticed something about uh, the climate, which is Hollywood, the landscape. And what I've noticed is that good content is released derivatively. It's not released in a differentiating kind of way. So it's easy for some, you know, uh, Pakistani kid in the Midwest to say, hey, I want to put out content that's different than anything else that's been released in the past couple of years. Problem with that, though, is it's not going to get very far. If something's completely different than what's been released in the past couple of years or weeks or months, odds are it's not going to get a release. And the reason it's not going to get a release is because a studio like Warner Brothers or Columbia Pictures or Paramount, where I was just I was on the lot, is not going to bank on something that's never been tried before. And most of the time, to the average consumer of content like the average moviegoer, this doesn't really pose a threat or a problem. The problem emerges when we want to make distinctions between uh, what we consider good content and what we consider not so good content. It's the content that I'm referring to, the content that's been tried before, that's been uh, released before, that we tend to label as not so good. Now, during the original release, we we don't have any conflicts with the content. So, if you see a movie like The Terminator, right, uh, which came out in the 80s, uh, you can look back on that as a classic. You know, for for people like Edward Furlong and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And uh, Linda Hamilton, it was a really big breakthrough. Uh, James Cameron sold it for a dollar to the studio he was working with, and he was a no-name at the time. But the success of Terminator led to other successes for him, like Aliens, and Titanic, and Avatar. Uh, Something interesting about Terminator is that it wasn't supposed to be released as an action movie. You know, right now it's labeled as the quintessential thriller of 1984. It was supposed to be released as more of a slasher film, right? Even, even the concept, uh, the inspiration behind the film, The Terminator, wasn't an original one. You know, James Cameron was inspired by another guy, uh, John Carpenter, who had made uh, horror successes in slasher films like Halloween. Cameron was in Rome and he essentially had a dream, right? So he he gets sick while filming Piranha 2, the spawning, and he he falls ill, and he has this dream about a metallic torso dragging itself from an explosion while it's holding kitchen knives. And another reason why he was so inspired by by John Carpenter was John Carpenter made made, um, made his film Halloween, which was really successful, for $30,000. Now, if you remember, that movie was huge for the actors in it as well, Uh, like Jamie Lee Curtis. It was her breakthrough film. So what did Cameron do? Well, he combined the vision of Halloween, which was John Carpenter's vision, and with other films like Mad Max and Mad Max 2. And he created this universe where we see a cyborg played by uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's the Terminator. And he's sent to kill on a mission. uh, He's sent to kill John Connor, who's portrayed by Edward Furlong. And so you should think of Terminator as something that's not wholly distinct from other films that were made during this era in the 1980s and the 1970s. You should think of it as like a mashup or a collaborative spiritual journey that's combined with influences of the Outer Limits right? and Halloween. In that same breath, the Terminator is an original concept that has never really been tried before. You know, Using a robotic element uh, of a cyborg was something that was completely original during this time, but it doesn't matter because the aura of the movie was not different. It was the same as other movies that had preceded it, and that's why it worked. You know? So when Terminator is made for $6.4 million and it grosses $78.3 million, well, that's a giant profit, right? So when a movie is made for $6.4 million, we're not going to talk about the marketing. The marketing number isn't included in that estimate of the budget. Uh, but generally, you spend uh, exactly as much as uh, you used to make the film on marketing. So if you spend $6.4 million on marketing, you're probably going to spend 12.8 as a picture completely. So let's say $13 million. Uh, if it makes $78 million, that's a profit of like 57 or so million dollars that the movie is making. Another really key element here when we talk about the Terminator, for example, is that it's a franchise. It's not just one movie. So, the Terminator franchise has spawned five films, right? Terminator 1 to 5. The most recent one was released this year in 2015, and Arnold Schwarzenegger was again the lead. But along with him were people that had never been affiliated with the Terminator franchise, like Jason Clark, who was in movies like Zero Dark 30, right? And Amelia uh, Clark and Jay Courtney and J.K. Simmons, who was in Whiplash and just won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for that role. But look, in spite of the fluctuating cast, the Terminator franchise is a franchise that cast a shadow over other franchises that just didn't work. See what I did there? No, but it does. Films like John Carter and The Lone Ranger and Green Lantern—they didn't work. They just didn't work. Sometimes franchise films, films that have the potential to be something big, they fail. And when they flop, it's a sickness for directors. Because those directors, odds are, will never work again. But what are you gonna do? It's the business, it ain't personal. And if you don't believe me, just refer to the list of the highest grossing films the world has ever seen and look at number three Star Wars The Force Awakens. It opened a month and a half ago, and it's grossed almost $2 billion. New franchise or existing? Take your pick and see which one works. It's all about the long game, people. All about the long game. Number four is Jurassic World. Number five is The Avengers. Number six is Furious 7. Number seven is The Avengers Age of Ultron, which is a sequel. Number eight is a Harry Potter film. Number nine is Frozen. Number 10 is Iron Man 3. And what about number 14? A James Bond film called Skyfall. And number 23, a spawning of the Lord of the Rings franchise. And just what about number 38? A Spider-Man film. The fact is the new litmus test, a uh, value that a, a movie must make in order to be termed successful by critics, by studios, by box office police, is a billion dollars. And by crossing that billion dollar mark, a studio can cement its status as being one of the top players in the industry. <sighs>